Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry. During his ministry, Witness Lee emphasized the experience of Christ as life and the practical oneness of the believers. He was unbending in his conviction that God's goal is the body of Christ. Through his messages, he stressed the importance for us to grow in life and to function as Christians so that the body can build itself up. We're happy to bring you recorded portions from his ministry today, along with some of our own thoughts. And we welcome your comments and questions. You can reach us toll-free at 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Now let's join today's program. Anyone who has ever studied history realizes that throughout the ages, Israel has been a land of wars and destruction. Yet it survives. And even today, after so much turmoil, once again, it's the center of the world's attention and occupies so much space in our newspapers and newscasts. Daniel saw prophetically that Israel would be such a land of distress. He also saw how God's purpose and his people would ultimately prevail as Christ himself will come to that very place to rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years. Bob Danker has joined us for our next to the last life study from the book of Daniel as we gaze at some of these events and see how they even affect us today. Thank you for being here, Bob. Chris, again, it's a pleasure to be with you to consider this marvelous book of Daniel, which shows us so much concerning the whole world situation, concerning the history of the world, and especially concerning the situation and the history of God's people, Israel. Well, we have another chapter before us today, chapter 11, dealing with Israel's destiny. I appreciated the view or the scene behind the scenes taking place in the spiritual realm, behind all of the things that unfold in the physical realm that we see and read and hear about. Bob, maybe it'd be good if you could review for us the principle, and that is just that, that behind all of the physical activity, whether it's political, governmental wars, uh, there is a spiritual activity taking place in another realm. That's right, Chris. Daniel chapter 10 kind of uh, opens the curtain to show us what is going on behind the physical realm, behind the physical things that we can see with our eyes and we can read about in the newspapers and hear about on the television newscasts. There is a spiritual realm behind the physical realm. And this is where uh, much activity is taking place. The activity in the physical realm as Daniel shows us, is actually governed by this activity in the spiritual realm. In chapter 10 of Daniel, the first vision that Daniel saw was a vision of the excellent Christ. And this Christ is the center and the circumference of God's economy. Actually, what Daniel saw was not a physical vision. It was a spiritual vision because no one else who was with Daniel at the time saw this vision. Only Daniel saw it. So it was something spiritual. This shows us that in order to see Christ in his excellency, we need a spiritual revelation. But this Christ is really the motivating factor behind all the world events. It is for him and for his glory and his kingdom that everything is taking place on this earth. So he is the real motivator. And then after this vision of the excellent Christ, a heavenly messenger from God was sent to Daniel. And when he came to Daniel, he told Daniel how he had been struggling for 21 days with another evil spirit whom he called the Prince of Persia. Mm -hmm. He told Daniel also that after he was going to leave Daniel, he would go to fight 
against the prince of Persia, and that the prince of Greece was coming, and that Michael, another prince who was uh, very favorable toward Israel, was fighting together with this angelic messenger to defeat these evil powers, evil spirits who were representing the worldly kingdoms. This is a, a tremendous opening of the veil for us to see that behind the scenes there's a struggle in the spiritual realm. And this struggle is what is governing and determining what is happening on this earth. In the first verse of chapter 11, this heavenly messenger told Daniel that he had stood up to strengthen Darius the Persian. This refers to chapter 5, when Darius came to take over the kingdom from Belshazzar, the last king of Babylon. This shows that even the changing of the kingdoms on this earth is governed by the spiritual things in the spiritual realm. There's a struggle going on in this universe between God and his enemy. Bob, this reminds me, there's a book that I read as a young believer by a man named Reese Howells called Reese Howells Intercessor, a story of uh, really a group of prayer warriors who uh, prayed much during World War II. And they they saw this realm, even ascribing it to these verses in Daniel. And that story is quite powerful, even about the effect of prayer as the events unfolded in World War II. And so even in principle, this is operating today, isn't it, behind the scenes? That's right, Chris. What Daniel saw and what the book of Daniel unveils to us is actually taking place today. Well, Bob, as the Lord opened up to Daniel all of the distress that would be the earthly destiny of Israel, we see the situation all the way from the time of the Persian Empire that you've been talking about, which began in Daniel's time, uh, clear up to the final appearance of the Roman Empire, which is yet to take place. Throughout all the ages, there's been war, there's been fighting uh, all the time in the land of Israel. And we see it clearly prophesied in this portion of Daniel. I'd like to point out to our listeners, we're going to hear quite a bit in this first section today about a fierce and evil Syrian king, a successor to Alexander. We've talked about him before. Uh, This one reigned over Israel some years after Daniel. His name was Antiochus Epiphanes. And as I mentioned, we've seen it before. He was a very clear type. In a sense, we could say even a forerunner or a predecessor of the coming ruler of the Roman Empire, the revived Roman Empire, which will be Antichrist. I'd like to point out his name. Witness Lee, in his English, struggled with this name a bit, and it's a bit hard to understand, but we're talking about the Greek king Antiochus Epiphanes. Let's join Witness Lee. The vision concerning the destiny of Israel from the last part of the kingdom of Persia to the last three and a half years of the present age. So this covers quite long, quite wide, indicating the kingdom age and eternity. This chapter is a record of the fighting between two kings. One is on the south, Egypt, the other is on north, Syria. All the fighting were through Israel. Look at the map. On the top, to the north, was Syria. Underneath, to the south, was Egypt. When Egypt was fighting against Syria, Egypt had to go through Israel. Then when Syria would fight back against Egypt, 
Syria would also go through Israel. So Israel was in a very, very pitiful situation. No peace all the time. This is why it is called a great distress. The record of chapter 11 stresses very much on this king by the name Antichrist, Epiphany, because he did a lot of damage. He destroyed the temple, he profaned the temple, he just uh, defiled the temple, putting the pigs into it and putting some males, females, to commit fornication in that holy place purposely. He was nearly a full type of Antichrist. Antiochus, he was a despicable person, despised by people. He was very, very subtle, cheating people. He gained the kingdom just by cheating, by deceiving. He defeated the king of the south. His armies profaned the sanctuary, the temple, removed the daily sacrifice, starved the offerings to God, and set up the abomination that desolate. He set up some idols, and those idols desolate the land of Israel. He persecuted and slew the devoted Jews. He did as he pleased. He didn't care for anybody. He didn't care for God. He exalted himself and magnified himself above every god like what Antichrist will do in the Great Tribulation. And again, the god of gods, he spoke extraordinary things. In all the above-mentioned evils, he was a type of Antichrist who will come in the last week of the 70 weeks. Bob, we spent a lot of time during our life study on Revelation on this one person, the Antichrist. Now, once again, he's here in type in the book of Daniel. Let's talk about this person, Antiochus Epiphanes, as his forerunner and how much he shows us the nature of Antichrist that will show up at the end of this age. Well, Chris, uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, as you pointed out, was a type or a picture of the coming Antichrist. And what he was and what he did are really the same thing that uh, Antichrist will be and will do. First of all, Antiochus Epiphanes was a very cunning person. Daniel says he seized the kingdom by his cunning words and cunning actions. He was a very smooth person, and Antichrist will be the same, uh, a real deceiver. Then um, he was a very self-exalting person. He even uh, considered himself a god, and Antichrist will do the same thing. And also Antiochus Epiphanes very much opposed the Jewish religion and sought to exterminate it. And he defiled and profaned the temple. Uh, History tells us that he built an altar to Zeus uh, where the burnt offering altar was located. Mm -hmm. And he offered pigs on this altar, thus profaning the sanctuary of God's house. And not only that, but he ordered that in all the places 
in the land of Israel, the people should sacrifice to idols. So he was an evil person, and he was a very, very a strong type and a strong picture of what this coming evil one, the man of lawlessness, Antichrist, will be and will do. Actually, as you read the book of Daniel, you could consider verses 21 through 35 as referring to Antiochus Epiphanes. And then, as has been done in other places in the Bible, verses 36 through 45, these verses actually refer not to Antiochus Epiphanes, but they refer to Antichrist. So here you have two portions of Daniel 11, one referring to Antiochus Epiphanes, who was a type of Antichrist, Mm -hmm. and who did the same thing Antichrist will do. So this is uh, God's prophetic word that shows us what kind of person Antichrist will be when he does come. Well, as you've pointed out, Bob, this coming one, Antichrist, will, as Antiochus did, profane and defile the temple. But Antiochus also destroyed the temple. But his was not the first destruction of the temple, nor would it prove to be the last destruction. We're going to see the various destructions of the temple in this next section. The temple was built at Solomon's time. And the first destruction of the temple was carried out by Nebuchadnezzar in his first invasion into Judah. That was the first destruction of the temple. Then, after 70 years, Cyrus, the king of Persia, released all the captives of Israel back to their father's country to rebuild the temple, and they did it. The story of the rebuilding of the temple is recorded in Ezra. You read that book. But that temple, it lasted 300 more years. Then Antichrist, if any, the son, the descendant of the northern king, destructed the temple again. And when Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the temple, not that evilly, he only destroyed it and took away some of the vessels. He didn't uh, put in peaks, shrines, and so forth. But Antichrist went further. He destroyed the temple, profaned it by fornication, by peaks, shrines put into, and he, that was serious. So the Maccabees stood up to fight against it for about seven years. And then they defeated Antichrist and destroyed him. Then, on December 25th, 161, Macbeth cleansed the temple to tell all the people that is the holy place for God's people to worship God. This is a kind of justification. That was the second destruction. Then, after Christ's death, A.D. 70, Titus, the prince of Rome, came with the Roman army. He destroyed the temple again. Nearly he did the same thing as Antichrist did 230 years ago. That was the third destruction. 
then according to the Bible there will be a false destruction that is in the coming days by Antichrist in the middle of the covenant he made with Israel so at least four destructions taking place on the temple pitiful and this shows what is struggling between Satan and God. God wanted to have a place on this earth for his people to worship him, indicating that he still has some interest on this earth. But Satan was struggling all the time to destroy that place. And that is the center of Satan's destruction the aim, the goal of Satan's destruction. Four times. If you know these, then you read the Bible, this helps you. Bob, it's amazing that through so many hundreds, even thousands of years, this one building has been the focus of so much struggle and fighting. God's temple in Jerusalem has been built and destroyed and rebuilt at least three times throughout history, and we know there's a fourth uh, destruction yet coming, as we just heard. It's been nearly 2,000 years, Bob, since it was last destroyed. It's not been rebuilt since. Yet it's still the focus of intense interest and controversy on the earth today. What larger struggle, really, does this point us to? Yes, Chris, the struggle over the physical temple in Jerusalem is just a picture over the struggle that God and Satan are engaged in concerning God's real dwelling place on this earth, which is the church. Of course, uh, in the Old Testament, God's dwelling place on the earth was a physical place, and it could be destroyed physically. But ever since the Lord Jesus came to be incarnated in the beginning of the Gospel of John, we find out that the Lord himself replaced that physical temple. He himself was the temple. In John chapter 2, He was speaking about the temple of his body. So he was the place where God was dwelling on the earth. God dwelt in the man, Jesus. And then through his death and resurrection, this man, you might say, was enlarged, or he was multiplied into many, many believers, and they became the church. So now the temple of God is not a physical building. The real temple is the church. And still we can see this tense struggle between God and Satan, concerning the church. Satan wants to defile the church, to damage the church, to ruin the church, to degrade the church, to fill God's people with so many worldly and profane things so that God will not have any place on this earth for himself to dwell. And yet God is fighting, as he did in the days of the Maccabees, to gain a group of people who will stand against this activity of Satan to damage and destroy God's dwelling place. Instead of going along with Satan, they resist and they build up God's dwelling place, which is the church. And we know that at the end of the Bible, God ultimately obtains his dwelling place. That will be the new Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem will be the ultimate dwelling place of God and all of God's chosen people for eternity. So eventually this struggle between God and Satan will be won by God, but it has been going on now for centuries and even millennia, and is only pictured there in the book of Daniel. 
Bob, you mentioned the Maccabees. Witness Lee referred to them. We don't have time to go back to him for his final portion. It was going to be on this point. Let's just talk about this for a moment. Uh, Many of our listeners may not be familiar with the Maccabees, who they were. Tell us a little bit of the history, and then I'd like to point out a verse uh, in Daniel here that Witness Lee was very fond of in relationship to this uh, event. After Antiochus Epiphanes desecrated the temple and he ordered the Jews to offer sacrifices to heathen gods in their territories where they lived, there was a group of the Jews called the Maccabees who rose up to oppose and to resist Antiochus Epiphanes. And they led a revolt, which was called the Maccabean Revolt. Mm -hmm. Their leader was a man named Judas and he was given the name Judas Maccabeus. He was the leader of the Maccabees, and they revolted against the uh, occupiers of the Holy Land in about 165 B.C. They led a revolt, and it was successful. Judas defeated the Greeks who were ruling over the land of Israel, and eventually he uh, rebuilt the temple that was destroyed by Antiochus Epiphanes, And he cleansed the temple and its altar. So uh, there was a recovery there of the temple. Then on December the 25th, 164 B.C., the temple was rededicated and the daily sacrifices were restored. This is all recorded in history and shows us the successful revolt of the Maccabeans against the occupiers of the land and the desecrators of the temple. The history of the Maccabean period is recorded in two of the apocryphal books, which are not parts of our Holy Bible. These are First and Second Maccabees. This is a very important part of the history of the Jews because it shows that the temple, which was desecrated by the Gentiles, was recovered by the Jews and was re-consecrated and rededicated. Daniel includes a verse in this chapter, verse 32, that says, "...the people who know their God will show strength and take action." Witness Lee was very fond of this verse, and of course, he believed that the Maccabees were strengthened and encouraged by this verse to take such a stand for God's interest. But there's really an application for all of God's people from this verse even today, isn't there? Yes, Chris. Today, God needs a people who will know their God. We need to know God, and we need to know God's heart desire, what God wants, and we need to know God's economy. Then we need to show strength. We need to be strong, like the Maccabees were strong. And we need to take action as they took action to oppose the tide of degradation in the church, profaning the church as God's dwelling place. And then we need to build up God's dwelling place on this earth so that God can have a consummation to his economy with the new Jerusalem in the new heaven and the new earth. Thank you for your fellowship. It's a pleasure to be with you, Chris. For Bob Danker today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. The focus of Living Stream is the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China in the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Witness Lee brought this ministry first to Taiwan, then later to North America, and eventually to the entire world. For more than 20 years, he spoke these life study messages, unveiling how each book of the Bible shows God's eternal plan. 
God, through Christ, wants to dispense his life and nature into redeemed man so that man would become God's expression, enlargement, counterpart, and habitation. These studies go far beyond mere doctrine and unveil a personal, practical, and experiential Christ. In these short 26-minute programs, we summarize and condense Witness Lee's rich speaking. But to enjoy all the riches in these messages, we hope you'll visit our website at lifestudy.com. There, you can read all of the Life Study messages absolutely free of charge. You can even create your own Life Study reading schedule or download more Life Study audio programs just like this one and all at no cost. Again, the website, lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening. Why did God give the commandments if he knew we couldn't keep them? For the law was given through Moses. Grace and reality came through Jesus Christ. John chapter 1, verse 17. The law makes demands on man according to what God is. Grace supplies man with what God is to meet what God demands. The law at most was only a testimony of what God is, but reality is the realization of what God is. No man can partake of God through the law, but grace enables man to enjoy God. Reality is God realized by man, and grace is God enjoyed by man. Scripture, John 1.17, and commentary from the New Testament Recovery Version, published by Living Stream Ministry. For more information, visit lsm.org.